This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. This week, our episode features three segments. The first is a brief portion of J. Edgar Hoover's speech of September 23, 1940, to the American Legion in Boston, warning of the danger of fifth columnists, communists, and fascists. In the speech, he urged Americans to be vigilant and prepared to defeat the danger at home. Our second and third segments are the two parts of the audition episode for The Adventures of Superman, which debuted as a syndicated radio show on various dates in 1940, depending on the market. It became a network show in 1942, running first on Mutual and then ABC. The show continued on radio until 1951. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you enjoy the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And now, on to this week's episode. The time has come when we must make a choice. We can either resolve to protect our temples of liberty, or we can go blindly along believing that all is well. If we follow the latter course, we will someday find our liberties suddenly blacked out by the tyranny of a foreign dictator. Our people are accompanied, are accustomed to taking liberty for granted. As a result, they have ceased to think seriously about it. But the foes of America have much to say about it. They construe liberty as a license and clamor for even greater license. Liberty and license are as far apart as liberty and tyranny. License breeds tyranny. In recent days, insidious forces have sought to obstruct our national preparedness campaign by proclaiming that the strengthening of our army and navy abrogates liberty. The communists, the bondsmen, and their allies of totalitarianism are seeking to weaken America's defense. These traitors who shout of liberty as they seek to destroy it tell our young people that they should refuse to take up their country's arms. Americanism is on trial. Its real test lies in the ability of red-blooded Americans to meet and to defeat the fifth column of destruction. Boys and girls, your attention, please. The Blank Corporation presents a brand-new radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. Faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets... 
above in the sky. Well, it's a giant bird. It's an airplane. It's Superman. Superman, a being no larger than an ordinary man, but possessed of powers and abilities never before realized on Earth. Able to leap into the air an eighth of a mile at a single bound. Hurdle a 20-story building with ease. Race a high-powered bullet to its target. Lift tremendous weights and rend solid steel in his bare hands as though it were paper. Superman, strange visitor from a distant planet, champion of the oppressed, physical marvel extraordinary who has sworn to devote his existence on Earth to helping those in need. But before we bring you the almost unbelievable story of how Superman arrived on Earth, a message from the Blank Corporation, makers of Blanco, that extra-rich, full-flavored breakfast food with a new taste thrill. Now for the story of Superman. And as it begins, we ask you to come with us on a far journey, a journey that takes us millions of miles from Earth, where the planet Krypton burns like a green star in the endless heavens. Here, civilization is far advanced. It has brought forth a race of supermen, men and women like ourselves, but advanced to the absolute peak of human perfection. As we near Krypton, we see high walls and gleaming turrets. We approach the magnificent Temple of Wisdom. There, in a great hall, Jor-El, Krypton's foremost man of science, is addressing a meeting of the planet's governing council. Attention, gentlemen. Attention. Jorel speaks. Members of the council, I have completed my solar calculations, and much as I dread uttering these words, I have come to the conclusion Krypton is doomed. Gentlemen, 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 hear him out. These internal quakes we have been experiencing... These volcanic eruptions, tidal waves, gas escaping from giant craters, all point to only one thing. Krypton is utterly and finally doomed. One moment, gentlemen. One moment. There is no cause for anxiety. I am certain Jorel has made a mistake. True, we have had a few minor quakes and eruptions, but nothing very serious. There must be some error in your calculations, Jorel. No, no, there is no error, Rosanne. I only wish there were. The sun is gradually drawing Krypton closer to it. Within a month, possibly only a week, the gravitational pull will be so tremendous that Krypton will not be able to weather the strain. And then our planet will explode like a giant bubble, destroying every living thing on it. <laughs> Assuming for the moment, Jorel, that what you say is true, how are we to avoid it? What can we do to stop it? There is only one way. As you all know, I have been working on a spaceship designed for interplanetary travel. With time and united effort, we might transport the entire population of Krypton to another world. Impossible. Where would we go? To the Earth. My studies tell me the atmosphere of the Earth is very nearly the same as our own. You have been working too hard, Jorah. You need a rest. 
Now, believe me, we have the utmost respect for your knowledge and integrity, but this is carrying it too far. Manus's largest krypton do not explode, Joran. Do you hear that? It is the forewarning of doom. Every moment is precious now. Threats like that of sounding the death knell of krypton. It will happen, and happen soon. When the last great eruption comes... When it comes, Jorel, it shall find us all ready. If Krypton is to die, we shall die with it. The parting would be much too severe. <laughs> all right. Glad to do right, Rosan. And you, members of the council. I have no time to laugh. My wife, Lara, and my infant son are dear to me. It is not my wish to stand by and see them destroyed. Laugh, all of you. But a time will come, and that time is perhaps very close at hand, when you will wish you had heeded the words of Jorel. Now you think me a fool, but remember what I have said, gentlemen. When Krypton is shattered into a thousand million stars, when the glorious civilization we have built is no more, when you and your families are swept from the face of Krypton <laughs> like dust. <laughs> order. Order, gentlemen. Order. You have heard Jor-El speak. Is it your wish that we devote time and money to the building of spaceships for the transportation of Krypton's population to another planet? No! I am sorry, Jor-El. The council has spoken. Yes. And signed the death warrants of every living thing on Krypton. Well, I have done my best to convince you. Now all that remains for me is to proceed with my own means of salvation. My own spaceship to save the lives of those near and dear to me. As for the rest of you, may the gods have mercy on your soul. Laura, you here? I came out to take the air on the terrace. Terribly hot all day. Is that because we're being drawn to the sun, Gerald? Yes. What did the council have to say about that? I... I didn't mention it. Is the model of your spaceship almost finished? I just drove the last rivet. How does it look? Splendid. Will it work? Uh, that remains to be seen. If it does work, I shall immediately begin construction of another just like it, only much larger. One big enough to carry all three of us to another world. Jorrell, when will that be? Every moment that we spend waiting and wondering... Yes, I know. I know, Lana. It's been hard on all of us, and particularly hard on you. How is the boy? Sleeping. That quake this afternoon frightened him, but he's all right now. Can't you come in and look at him? You scarcely see him these days, what with working all hours on the spaceship model. It can't be helped, dear. I'm racing against time. Right now, I'm anxious to know whether the model will behave as I hope. How does it operate? Very simply. When all is ready, I throw this switch. That closes the circuit, and electric energy builds up pressure in the atomic generator. Then, at the final moment, the pressure forces the ship from its carrier and speeds it on its way. But where does it go? Wherever it's pointed. This one, I am directing to the planet Earth. Earth? What is that, Jarrell? A planet smaller than our own, situated on the other side of the sun. It is inhabited by a race of people similar to ourselves. Like ourselves? Well, only partly, of course. They're about the same size, but nowhere nearly as developed. Very weak and helpless. 
and with all their faculties, extremely limited. How do you mean? Well, I... I haven't time to go into detailed explanation now, Lara, but it's something like this. You know how far you step when you want to go somewhere? Practically as far as I want. Why, one step takes me to Brata's house near the fountain. Exactly. Down where I'm sending this rocket, it's quite different. An Earthman steps only three feet at a time at most. And everything else is in proportion. And that's where we're going? Oh, how dreadful. Which would you rather do? Go to Earth and live or stay on Krypton and die? I'll do anything you say, Joel. Anything. It doesn't matter to me whether we live or die as long as we're together. It's only the boy I worry about. Little Callan. Lara, don't worry. He'll be saved. When will the model be finished so that you can start on the big one? It is finished. In the morning, just as dawn breaks, I'll send it on its way, watching its flight through a high-powered telescope to see whether it lands safely on Earth. Is that the place you plan to take Kal-El and me? We could not breathe on any other planet but the Earth. It happens to have an atmosphere similar to Krypton. I suppose you know best, Joel. Are you coming in? Seems to have gotten oppressively hot. Yes, it has. I wonder... Lara, did you hear that? Yes. What is it? Subterranean explosions. Do you feel the ground trembling? Yes, I do. Jarrell, do you think that... Lara, I'm afraid it's come. Where is the boy, Callan? What do you mean? Get him quickly. This is the end. Jarrell, what can we do? Nothing. I'm not ready. Oh, what a fool I've been to delay. Oh, it isn't your fault, Jarrell. You did all you could. If only the spaceship was large enough so we could take a chance. Jarrell, would it carry one of us safely to us? Oh, I, I think so. Well, where are you going? Stay here with me. I'm getting Callan. If one of us can be saved, Jarrell, it should be the boy. No, no, Lara, come back. If one must go, it should be you. No, Jarrell. Listen to me. We both stay here. Kalel goes in the spaceship. If there is a chance, Jarrell, one little chance, I want it for my son. Maybe you're right, Lara. Jarrell, look. The sky is fiery red. The mountains. Look, the mountains are falling in. Oh, Jarrell, what's happening? The end of trip time, Lara. Just as I foretold. This is the last great quake. Jarrell, this is explosion. Quick, quick, give me the boy. Kalel. Hello. What are you doing, Jarrell? Opening the door, putting it back. Jarrell, the house is swaying. Breaking apart. Oh, look, Jarrell. There. He's safe inside. Now for the switch. Stand back, Lara. Oh, Jarrell. Will he reach there? Only the guards know. But there's a chance. The only chance. Stand back, Lara. I'm throwing the switch. Jarrell, Jarrell, it's getting dark. I can't see. What happened? It's fire. Smoke from the center of the planet. Not much time now. Hold me, Jarrell. Has the spaceship gone? No, not yet. Waiting for pressure. We may have been too late. If it doesn't work up soon. Lara, it's off. It's on its way. Jarrell, where are you? Here. Get the side to Lara. Listen. Can you hear me? Our boy, Kalel. Our son, Lara. He's on his way. On his way to Earth. So the tiny spaceship roars into the uncharted heavens as the mighty planet of Krypton explodes into millions of glowing fragments, glittering stars to remain forever 
in the night sky. Jorel and Lara, devoted parents of the tiny boy, perish in the giant quake that destroys Krypton. But what of the spaceship? Does it reach the Earth? Does it find its mark in all the far-flung darkness of space? Tune in tomorrow and follow the story of... Up in the sky! Look! It's a giant bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman! Don't forget, tomorrow, same time, same station, the adventures of Superman, brought to you by the Blank Corporation, makers of Blanco. The Blank Company, makers of that extra special Blankarine, food of Superman, presents... Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman, eighth wonder of the modern world, visitor from a distant planet whose strength knows no limits and whose endurance is beyond anything humanity has ever known. Champion on Earth of the weak and helpless, whose aim is to rescue the suffering and bring help to all who need and deserve it. And remember this, if you too would be a Superman... And now, Superman. Yesterday, we saw how the child of Jor-El and Lara was placed in the rocket ship and sent on his way to Earth while his parents died in the terrible explosion that wiped the planet of Krypton from the universe. Today, as our story continues, the child has become a man. The rocket landed in a desert. Superman stepped forth full-grown to explore this strange new world in which he found himself. Swifter than a bird in flight, unaffected by cold, hunger, or fatigue, Superman set out to investigate the ways of man on his planet Earth. We find him at last hovering with his curious power above a quiet highway in Indiana. The road, with its trolley track at one side, winds to the top of a hill where the suburban cars stop to let off passengers, then down again to the valley below with a winding curve at the bottom. A trolley is just pulling up the hill, and as Superman wheels and turns in curious flight, unseen below, a man and a boy come out of the shed that serves as waiting room. Here she comes, Dad. Yeah, I'm right on time, too. I told you so, Jimmy. Gee, I hope it stops all right. Now, don't worry. It's slowing down. Does it always sway like that, Dad? Oh, sometimes, but it's all right. Don't seem to be many people on board. Yeah, it's the middle of the week. Light traffic. Professor, <laughs> going into town? Well, I hope so, John. Taking Jimmy to the fair. Hey, great show, all right. Well, I reckon you're my only passengers. Make yourself at home. I'm going to get me a drink. Why, Dad, we've got it all to ourselves. Yeah, regular private car. Where'd the motorman go? Oh, just over at the spring. Mighty hot day. You better hurry if he doesn't. He'll get left behind. <laughs> Can't start without the motorman. Well, we are. 
Huh? Look, Dad. What? John, where are you? Daddy, what's happened? I want to get out. The brakes. Something's happened to the brakes. Let's get out quick. Open the doors. They're jammed. They're tight shut. We're going faster and faster. We're going downhill. What are we going to do? Jimmy, Jimmy, come here. The window. Off the window, Dad. Get it open. Smash it. Wait. Jump, Dad. Jump. No, no. It's too late. It's going too fast. We've got to. Jimmy! A tree, a tree's falling right on the track. Look, look, there in the sky. It's a man. He's flying. It can't be. It's not possible. He's coming straight at us. He's swooping down. Quick, grab hold of me. No, put me down. Let go. Doc, what are you picking me up for? Get away. Put me down. I'm saving your life. Daddy, he's taking me up out the window. Jimmy, Quick, one Jimmy. more second. Now then. Daddy! One under each arm. Out the window. And up in the air. Up, up, and we're off. I don't know what to say. Quite all right, Professor. Pulling you and the boy out of that car was nothing. Uh, I can't believe it. Who are you, anyway? Where do you come from? I have no name. I come from a world that no longer exists. Here in this world of yours, men would call me a Superman. It's a dream. A wild, impossible dream. But, Daddy, it happened. We saw it. He flew down, took us under his arm. And out of the car, that's all. Nothing so strange about that. You you saved our lives, Jimmy's and mine. I don't understand even now, but I'm grateful. Are you, Professor? Do you doubt it? Would you do something to prove it? Would we? Anything at all? Then make me a promise. Promise that you'll say nothing at all about what's happened. What? Don't you want people to know? Not just yet. I want no one to know, except those I help. Will you promise? If you wish. I do. Believe me. Then you have our word. Is that all? No. You've given me your promise. Now I want your advice. You want advice from us? You know this world. I am a stranger. You know the people in it. And I have still to find them out. You want to meet men, is that it? Not meet them, Professor. Observe them. Study them. See them at their best and their worst. Know which to help and when help is needed. If you can tell me that... Daddy, can we help him? Well, I think so, Jimmy. If that's what he wants, and all he wants... To me, it's a great deal. My friend, if we can call you that... I hope we can. My first friends on this earth. To mingle with people, to see men at the highest and lowest, if that's what you want, go to a newspaper, a great metropolitan daily. A newspaper? I'll do it. And join their staff. Be a reporter. But you can't do it in those clothes. Not that blue costume with the cloak and the shield on your breast. Gee, you just couldn't. Jimmy, these are the cloak and the shield of Superman. If I become as other men... Professor, I'll do it. I'll take your advice. And I thank you for it. No thanks. If there were only something more... There is. Remember your promise. And now, goodbye. I've stayed too long, and I'm off. Goodbye. Dad, look, he's flying again. City desk. White. Present chief. You better get somebody on that southwestern story right away. Anything broke? It looks bad. I don't know where your dope came from, but it sure was right. Where are you now? 
the yards on the town. If I were you, I'd have somebody watch the man they call McCray. McCray? That's what I do, Chief. Watch him, trail him, follow him every minute. McCray's at the bottom of this, sure as you're born. Hey, I gotta beat it. Somebody's coming. So long. Excuse me, Mr. White. That young man's still waiting. What young? Oh, the one who wrote the letter, huh? Well, let him wait. Uh, who have we got that's free? McCann's on the coast. Grayson's down in Virginia. Most of the day, men are full up. Oh, I knew it. Confound it. Always the way. Something breaks and nobody to handle it. What is it, Mr. White? Railroad. Sabotage. I didn't believe it, but there may be something in it after all. If there is... Yes, sir? If there is, Miss Lane, it'll be the biggest story since Lindbergh. And me, shorthanded. Oh, what's the use? Yes, sir. Uh, about that man... Oh, send him in. Send him in. Yes, sir. Come in, Mr. Kent. Mr. White will see you now. Uh, sit down. You want to see me? Yes, sir. My name is Kent. Clark Kent. What can I do for you, Mr. Kent? Well, Mr. White, you can give me work, I hope. Work? On the paper? Yes, sir. I'd like to be a reporter. Oh, you'd like to be a reporter? Floyd Gibbons in disguise? No, sir. Not Floyd Gibbons. Ever done any reporting? No, sir. No, sir. Uh, but you think you'd be a whiz, eh? I know. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's just the same. You haven't any openings? Not for greenhorns. I'm sorry if I'm blood. But, Mr. White, but even if I am a greenhorn, suppose I brought you a good story. And where would you get it? I'm afraid you'll have to excuse me, Mr. Kent. I... A really good story? Such as? Such as the complete inside on the man called McRae on the Southwestern Railroad. Yes. Uh, what's that? You heard me. Do you want that story? Do I want it? Well, I should say I do. But look here. I, uh think I could get it for you, Mr. White. What do you know about McCray? A little bit. Where'd you even hear his name? In connection with railroads, Mr. White. Stop beating about the bush. I only heard the beginning of that myself yesterday morning. Not a paper in the country has carried a line. And yet and you... And yet co I come in here and talk about it. I think I could do something with that, Mr. White. Now look here, Kent. Mysterious secret messages have threatened to tie up every railroad in the country, beginning with the southwest... My goodness, Mr. White. For a while, the road paid no attention. And the crack flyer on the P&R went off a bridge. Yes, I read about that. Yeah, naturally. But you didn't read about the warnings, because they weren't printed. Weren't printed? No, and they won't be. Not until the FBI in Washington has checked all the angles, and then this man, McRae... Oh, yes. Yes, McRae. Well, where do you come in? How did you get to know McRae? Excuse me. City desk, White. My friend, tomorrow night, the flying you leaves Denver for the West. Will not arrive in Salt Lake City. Hey, what's that? What's the who's this? I have been called McCray. That is all. Hey, come back here. Wait, wait. Yes, uh, who was that just called me? Trace it. Find out where he was. I'm sorry, sir. We cannot do that. The party is disconnected. Ah, uh, nuts. Uh, beg pardon, sir, but if that call did come from McCray, I should be inclined to believe it. Huh? How do you know who that was? I should warn the officials in charge of the flying ute. Now, look here. You couldn't hear that phone. What is this? As I was saying, Mr. White, suppose I brought you a good story. A really good story. The story of how the flying ute was wrecked on its way to Salt Lake. I take chances, Kent. I'm going to take a chance on you. Thank you, Mr. White. It's 2,000 miles. You'll have to hop a plane. I'll get there, Mr. White, in spite of the weather. Good Lord, I hadn't noticed. Well, get to the airport anyway. You rang, Mr. White? Uh, Miss Lane, this is Clark Kent, temporarily attached to our staff. You'll note I said temporarily. Yes, sir. Kent leaves to the west for the first plane. Get him tickets and a $200 advance. Well, Mr. White, all planes are grounded. That's all right, Mr. White. I'll get there. Take him outside and show him what he needs to know. Well, Mr. White, I'd like to thank oh, you. Oh, let it go, Kent. Let it go. Get a story and you get a job. You're either clairvoyant or the luckiest guesser alive. Either way, I can use you. But if you miss out, well... This way, Mr. Kent. Thank you, Miss Lane. 
It's good of you to show me around. Pretty lucky, I'll say. A hundred good newspaper men walking the streets, and you walk right into a job. I say, I am lucky. You wait in here, the ante room to the cashier's office. Well, I really don't need an advance. <laughs> Playboy in disguise, eh? I said wait here. Ah, what a beast of an evening. Don't fall out that window. It's 20 stories down. Beautiful view. Even in the fog. You wait right here till I get your money. Then I'll introduce you to a few real newspaper men. Plane's grounded. 2,000 miles to go. Nobody's looking. I'm afraid I can't wait. window 20 stories above the ground. In the wink of an eye, meek Clark Kent, cub reporter for the Daily Flash, becomes Superman, eagle of the sky, winging his way west over city and plain, river and mountain. But will he be in time? Can he checkmate the strange figure called McRae, discover the plot, save the flying ute, roaring toward Denver at 90 miles an hour? Tune in tomorrow and follow the story. And meanwhile... Remember, tomorrow, same time, same station. Hey!